Hey, good morning, Midtown. Didn't expect to hear Weird Al Yankovic today, did you? Yeah, part of our worship. Good job on the video. Uh, my name is Justin, one of the pastors here, associate pastor. I really want to welcome you guys. I see a lot of new faces, so I particularly want to say welcome to all you folks that I've never seen before. Um, and the kind of financial update that you just heard, it's not like we do that every week. <laughs> so that's just something that we did uh, on this occasion because of our need. And you heard us say at the start that we really believe that we're a family that's been loved and served by God and compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. And because we're a family, a spiritual family, we have family conversations. And part of family conversations is just how are we doing financially. So thanks for your understanding and, and grace on us in that regard. I want to give a special uh, shout out that John and Rebecca are here getting married about six weeks. Yeah. Good to see you guys. And I see the, see the hooks are in town too. So you guys must have had a nice bachelor party. Uh, fun, fun to see some old faces. Thanks for coming back to visit when you're in Austin with us. Uh, really glad to hear, hear about that. And we're excited to be at the wedding here coming uh, six weeks. Excellent. Uh, one more thing, if you are uh, new or visiting, just want to reiterate, filling out that connection card. It would be a great way for us to know that you're here. We'd love just to follow up with you, tell you more about the church, and answer any questions that you have. So sometime, like when you get bored, when I'm starting to talk, that's a perfect time to start, you know, filling it out. I'll think you're taking notes. It'll work great. Uh, we're continuing, uh, like you saw in the funny video, our three-week series called Feed Yourself. And so the idea behind Feed Yourself is that we all have a soul. And just like we have a physical body that we know needs food, I don't think any of you, did anyone not eat yesterday? I didn't think so, right? Because you've got a physical body, physical needs, and so you meet those needs by eating. What we're saying in a series is that we also have a spiritual body. We have a soul. And in order for us to grow spiritually, we have to feed our soul. And so we're asking the question, well, then how then do we actually feed ourselves uh, spiritually? And there's many ways we could point to worshiping like this together. We could point to fellowship. We could point um, to prayer, to fasting, to rest, to all kinds of different things. But the thing that we're saying during this series is the number one way that we can feed ourselves is by spending time reading God's Word. Uh, in fact, like last week, I didn't read the book, so I can't speak to, to it like Jake did last week. But last week, he, he said that there was this, this group that did this survey of thousands and thousands of Christians just trying to determine how they were doing their spiritual lives and how satisfied they were with their relationship with God and how they were growing and all the different factors that contributed to people that were most satisfied, most growing. The number one thing was that they were regularly spending time reading God's Word. And so that's what we're doing during these three weeks of feed yourselves as we're saying, like, how can we feed ourselves spiritually? And this whole metaphor that we're using is, is not like something that we made up because actually Scripture often refers to God's Word as food. And so it's kind of a, a normal thing. We're not making anything up here. In fact, last week, Jake talked about how when the manna was given from God to the Israelites while they were wandering, they had this, this bread or this food that was on the ground every day for them to eat. When Moses is actually interpreting what happened in Deuteronomy 8, he tells them that this, this stuff that was on the ground, this manna that you're eating, it was more than that. It was to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so from the earliest stages, they were thinking, oh yeah, the stuff that God provides, it's a reminder that we have to feed ourselves spiritually too. Or you think like the prophet Jeremiah, he referred to God's word as food. And he said, God, I'm going I'm to take what you give me and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> and, or you look at the Psalms and the Proverbs, they often refer to God's word as food or a uh, source of life. Or the most typical metaphor there is honey, like your word is sweeter than honey. So we're not making things up here. Uh, Jesus, of course, did the same when he quoted that Deuteronomy 8 saying that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There was also this other time when he was with his disciples and they went off to go get food to eat and he hung out instead and talked to the Samaritan woman. 
When the disciples come back with food, Jesus says, I don't need that food because I have food that you know not of. My food is to do the will of the Father. Meaning he was saying, while you guys are out thinking about physical food, I was feeding myself spiritually. And that's the kind of metaphor that we're going with here. And particularly in the New Testament, there's two kind of ways that you see this food as referring to God's Word kind of illustrated, and it's the whole idea of like milk versus solid food. So in Corinthians and in Hebrews, the authors of those two uh, books are writing to the people, and they're actually challenging them, kind of disappointed with them. They're saying, look, I wish that I could give you guys solid food to eat, but because you're so immature, you're still needing to drink milk. And you kind of get that illustration, right? Like there's an age when you're drinking milk, and then there's an age where you should probably stop drinking milk (laughs) when you should actually be chewing And so that's what we're going to talk about today is this idea of if we really want to grow mature in our faith, we need to move on from from the milk, which means like we're relying on other people to feed us, right? Like that's what babies do. They can't feed themselves. And so as, as we grow in Christ, we learn not just to rely on a Sunday service or rely on other people to try to feed into us spiritually, but as we grow, we learn to feed ourselves and we go from just liquid diet to solid diet. And so that's why we're using the sermon that today is like chewing. So last week was taste, this week's chewing. Another way you might look at it as we use the illustration, and you'll kind of give you a preview for next week, it's taste, chew, and digest. So those are the three things we're doing in this series. You might look at that as read, reflect, and respond. So next week, Jake's going to talk a lot about how to respond, like how do we now put this Word of God into action, but this week we're focusing on chewing, which you might call the reflecting, all right? Now, I'm going to tell you something kind of embarrassing about myself to get started. I like to embarrass myself in front of you guys. I have a weird eating habit that uh, I don't know if any, if any, raise your hand, you can raise your hand later if this is, if you're like this, because I think I might be the only one. I don't eat things that, that take a long time to eat, that are too difficult to get to. You with me, Julisha? Yeah, I like it. So like, you know, you get like a hard boiled egg. How annoying. Like you, you got to crack it. It never really peels off right. There's kind of that thin layer of sticky stuff sometimes off the shell and and by the time you eat it, like you spent more time getting the shell off than actually eating it, and that just violates everything I believe in. Or take, take like an orange, like really? Why are you going to peel an orange? That's so annoying, and it just never comes off right. And after that, then you've got to peel it apart and eat different... No, oranges are stupid, or, or, or kiwi's the worst. Like who eats kiwi? Like, like kiwi's awesome, but you have to be like the most patient person in the world to actually eat kiwi. It's so annoying, and you're, you're like ripping off part of the good part at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. Pistachios, uh, pecans, like why are you going to pick open a pecan and then eat a little, little thing or like a sunflower seed? Come on. That's a waste of time. It's just not worth the effort, right? So that's my weirdness, but I do have one temptation that I'm almost willing to go there. It's with grapefruit. Like grapefruit's so good. Every now and then I'm like, oh man, I could do one. But like, what kind of fruit do they actually make like a special utensil? Like there's like a a grapefruit utensil. That's silly. Until my dreams came true and someone invented this, peeled grapefruit. Y'all ever do this before? This is awesome. Like who created this? They've taken the thing that I was not willing to work for and they made it this easy. Why did I tell you all that? (laughs) Because that's how sometimes we can approach God's word, right? Like, if, if you're, I'm telling you right now, don't be like me when it comes to food. Because sometimes we can think about there may be some reward, there might be some great grapefruit at the end of it, but we think, well, it's not really worth getting there because I don't know how to get there. I don't have the good orange peeling skill. Or I don't have the kiwi, you know, skill 
to get the most out of it. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, one, that it's really worth it. It's worth the effort. It's good for our souls if we expend the time, the energy to not just read God's Word, but to reflect on it. And then what we really want to do is we want to actually give you some tools that will help you peel your orange, so to speak, so that you can actually get the most out of it and the work that you do will be joyful and the reward will be as well. So there's a big concession, of course, at the start is just to say that I agree that the Bible is difficult to understand. So I think we're kidding ourselves if we're, if we're not just honest about that. And we don't want to let that be a barrier to us continuing to, to study it and try to understand it. I mean, if you think about it, you've got these huge chunks of the Bible that are what we call narrative. And so they're just kind of things that actually happened in history. And then you're supposed to read it and try to interpret it and understand what it means for us, you know, some cases 2,000 years later, some cases 4,000 years later. I mean, that, that's hard work to do. Or you think about poetry, like poetry's hard enough, like if you're in literature class, right? Like I hated poetry, I can't understand it. And now you've got this ancient poetry and, and much of the Bible is, is poetic and you've got to learn to understand what it means and how to interpret it for our day. Or you've got prophecies, you've got many prophecies that, the, that have already been fulfilled, but then you've got these other prophecies that are really hard to understand that have yet to be fulfilled, that we're still hoping for. And then you've got letters, like you've got guys that are writing other people letters, individuals, encouraging them. And you've got people that are actually writing churches letters. And you've got letters that were just kind of circulated to all the believers to encourage them. And so at the outset, I just want to say I agree, it's difficult with all these different types of um, literature that's out there, I, I find myself much like the disciples. One of the things I do like about the Bible is that it's very real about how difficult some things are to understand. I love reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so often you would find the disciples, Jesus would be like telling a parable, and then they'd pull them aside after and be like, hey, what did that mean? Can you kind of explain that to us again? Because they didn't even get it. They were, they were with Jesus and they had a hard time getting it. In fact, I was thinking about it today and, uh, or this week and thought about Second uh, Peter. In Second Peter, there's two really contrasting verses that I really like. The first one is in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation or of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human, though human, spoke from God as though they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Like, this is our real conviction at Midtown Church. Like, we really believe that that this is the inspired word of God and that God, through the Holy Spirit, penned these words for us through humans. And we believe, like Peter says here, this is the inspired word of God. But look what he says two chapters later. I really like this. Two chapters later in chapter 3, he says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother, brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So acknowledging that the Spirit is writing and speaking through Paul. But then he says this, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking, uh, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. I really just wanted to focus on that part where Peter's kind of throwing a little shade at Paul and saying, yeah, he writes this stuff and yes, it's, it's inspired, it's wisdom, but yes, it's hard to understand. Don't you love that honesty? That one of the apostles would actually say, yeah, Paul, I, you've got to get into his stuff, even though it's hard to understand. But here's the point. You can see the negative that's listed here. What can happen is that some people, because it's difficult, what they end up doing is they end up distorting God's Word, misinterpreting it, misapplying it, and then what's the result? It says destruction. 
And so we've got God's Word, and we can really land in one of two places. We can misunderstand it and misinterpret it, which can take us to a path of destruction, or the two verses we're going to look at here in a minute. You're going to see if we can interpret it rightly, and the Holy Spirit can speak to us. It's a very different outcome, and it's a blessed life. Let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll look at these two scriptures together. Father, we do ask uh, for all of us that you would give us an increased hunger uh, for your Word, and that the acknowledgement of its difficulties to understand would not keep us uh, from uh, reading and reflecting, and ask God in a very uh, small way that the the things that we talk about today and the, the tips that we give and how to understand the Bible would be beneficial for us all. Uh, make us a people at Midtown Church who, who really love and cherish your word and, and reflect on it greatly. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, we're going to go to James chapter 1. <clears throat> if you were with us last week, uh, this is the actual scripture that Jake took us to, and we actually had like our own little quiet time. Like we had about a, a three or four minute period where we actually all got to write down how we were reflecting on these verses. So they're familiar if you were here last week, but it says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I'll say from the outset, and Jake will probably do a lot more on this next week, this is clearly a passage that's talking about application, that we need to, to read God's Word and we need to apply it to our lives. But the two things I want to talk about today that also stick out in this passage are these two words, intently and continues in it. Like the whole idea is that we would not just kind of do a passing glance at God's Word and reading it, although that's good and that's a place for us to start. What we really need to grow to do is actually to look intently into it, like, like really study it and look intently into it. It's using the illustration here of, of course, of someone looking in a mirror, right? Like if you just look in a mirror and you just look at yourself for one second and walk off, you're not really doing what the mirror is supposed to do, right? Um, I turned 45 this month, and I'm, have, I'm, I'm sad to say I'm just going to continue to embarrass myself today. I have to, now I have to do like the ear hair check. Like that's part of my like intently looking at the mirror, you know, and it's really hard. Like it's hard to kind of see in there, and, and, and it, that's like part of my regular routine now is I have to check the ear hair, you know? It's like it, it takes intent. And so, Jake, next week when you use this mic, just remember it was on my hairy ear. Um, feel good about that next week. But that's the scripture, right? This is what he's saying, that when you look at the mirror, you're actually looking intently. You don't just pass by. Like you're saying, I like to say it's like not reading the Bible, but letting the Bible read us. Like there's a difference, right? Both are good. We can read the Bible, but there's a time when we pause and we look intently and we're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us and let the Bible then read us. And then secondly, the word that, that sticks out there is, is continually. Like the idea is that we would continue to do it. You don't just do this once in a while, but if you put a habit of continuing to look intently, you're going to have this blessed life that it describes. There's at least two reasons why, to keep with our metaphor, chewing is important. One is because we can't apply what we don't understand. So James is leading them to this place of apply what you, but, but the first part is you don't even know how to apply what God has told you if you haven't looked intently into it. Like the reason that we study is so that we can understand what God's saying so that then we can do or believe what he's asking us to do or believe. And the second reason, it's real clear here, is that we're just forgetful. 
That's what it says, that if he looks at himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, it says you need to continue to do it, not forgetting what you've heard. And if you're like me, you have to admit that we're forgetful. We can learn something on a Sunday or we can learn something in our own time with the Bible. And then a week later, we've forgotten it. And we, we need these reminders. That's why we have to continually look into it intently. One more verse that we'll look at together, uh, Joshua 1, 7 and 8. So this is kind of the, the point where they're just about to cross into the promised land and, and God is speaking to Joshua and kind of giving him kind of a commission. And here's what he says is most important. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may, be, uh, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Love that. Again, this is kind of like the James passage, similar that the goal is what? The goal is so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Like, that's what we're aiming toward. We're, we're wanting to walk with God and, and do what He says to do and believe what He says to believe. But how do you get to being able to obey? You can't get to actually doing everything that's written in it if you don't first understand it. And so, what does it say here, real clearly? The way that you understand it is to meditate and to do it day and night. Meditate. James says, look intently. Day and night. James says, continue to do it. And so what we want to do is we want to have a practice of not just reading the Word continually, but reflecting on it deeply. And so what we want to do uh, the rest of our time here is I want to give you a couple ways that are just real practical. It might seem more like a, a classroom setting than a sermon from here on out, but it's just some real practical ways that you can actually get the most out of your Bible. But before I do, I want to just mention one thing. If you go back to both of these verses, in James it says, the promise is you'll be blessed in what you do. And here in Joshua, the promise is, that you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, don't read that like some prosperity gospel, like you're going to get a lot of money. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking like if you want a rich relationship with God, if you want to have the blessings that God offers, this is what will happen if you spend time doing this. And I say that um, just to ask, like, is that what you want? Like, do you really want that? Because if you do, you'll spend time doing this. And I want to be real clear that as we go through this series, Jake did a great job last week mentioning this, but we're not trying to, to heap guilt on us, right? Like, that's not the idea. Anytime you talk about any sort of discipline, we're all going to kind of feel like, well, I don't know, I know, I don't do that enough. And that's not what we're trying to do with this series. Hear it from like a real pastoral heart, like from a real friend to friend. Like, we, what we want is we want Midtown to be a place that our relationship with God is strong with each of us, that we are prosperous and successful, that we are blessed in all the things we do because that's the result. And that's really what we want. Uh, I was encouraged this week, we're going to watch a testimony here in a minute from, from Blake. You all know Blake and Joe that lead in our worship team often. Uh, we're going to hear a great testimony of how she has discovered that, yes, reflecting on God, God's Word has brought blessing to her life. So let's watch that together. Sorry. Great mom to Oliver, who will turn two at the end of July. I'm a full-time marketing executive for an ed tech company. But today I want to talk about kind of that next level uh, that I can sometimes feel, and that's depression. Um, I've struggled with depression for 20 years. Um, my, my first suicide attempt, I was 15 years old. 
and I learned that depression is a real mental health disease that runs in my family and needs to be treated with the marvelous miracle of modern medicine that God has given us. And so I do, I do take advantage of that blessing from him. But you guys, I want to talk a little bit more about, um, as a Christian, what else that can mean for us. Um, last fall, it, it brought a very long stretch of depression I'd been going through to its absolute darkest place. And I found myself doubting. And when you're in that place of true depression, you, you don't really know what in your head is real. And um, I just I found myself doubting that he died just for me. Like I knew he died for you guys. And I knew he died for the people that I love. And I know he died for the person next to me on the bus. But I just didn't believe that he died just for me. I felt like maybe I just got kind of lumped in with the rest of the group and I kind of got the benefits, you know. Um, in those times of really feeling overwhelmed and unworthy of his love and grace, um, it has time and time again been God's promises that pulled me out of the shadows. So, you know, in those, in those times of deep, dark depression, I just... I find myself starting to feel overwhelmed by life, like I'm just done, just done, totally done. Um, I feel busy, I just sort of put things on autopilot and let them roll without really slowing down to process how I feel about it. I just kind of let things go. Once they're set in motion, it's easier to just kind of move with the flow and not really think too much. I start to feel numb to the things that used to really bring me joy. And I start to feel emotionally isolated from the people around me. Um, I may show up to the social events, but I don't, I don't really, I'm not, my heart's not there. And the best medicine that I've found for combating that is to go read about his rest and his grace and his promises and his, his promises, y'all. Just, sorry, <laughs> go read. Um, there's just something about seeing his promises written out in front of me that makes me really understand and process on a logical level that this is really what he said, this is really what he meant, and I can't talk myself out of his grace when it's spelled out so plainly in front of me. <sighs> These past few months, I have um, really taken advantage of the reading plans and my Bible app. There are so many for real life just about fighting for radiance and being overwhelmed by life or overcoming depression or finding your joy. There's just so many good plans. You can do them with friends. You can um, encourage each other, see each other's progress. And for this 72% introvert, that's a level of accountability and social interaction that I can handle without too much anxiety, which is good. So I encourage you to take advantage of that kind of community and, and those plans laid out for those purposes. You know, these promises are at our fingertips, right? Go read the Psalms. Go read Psalms 23 when we're told about green pastures and peaceful streams. Read Psalm 62 where we're told, pour out our hearts to him. He is our refuge. And again, in 2 Corinthians 1 where we're told he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Read about Matthew 11 where we're told to come to him and find rest. Read about Exodus where the Israelites are groaning, groaning in their slavery and God hears them and remembers the promise that he made to them, remembers that covenant and is worried and concerned for them. Go read James where we're told we can find wisdom and if you don't know what to pray, go read Romans and we're told that the Holy Spirit will tell us what to pray. You guys, it's all right there. 
And I just really encourage you to go and find him in his word. Go and connect with him in his word. Look for him. Really, truly seek him. Whatever you're going through, he's there in his word for you. And his promises are for you too. That's great, right? Be sure to tell Blake that you appreciate her sharing so vulnerably with us. Um, and she would say that just spending time in God's Word and relying on His promises and meditating on it is what is healing her and helping her grow. And I would say that that is the blessed life that's promised when we give our time to it. So let me talk just a last, last bit of time here on actually ways that we can better reflect and chew on the Bible. There's four things that we'll talk about. Uh, study the Bible, uh, memorizing the Bible, uh, praying the Bible, and uh, listening and, and or discussing the Bible. Uh, before we jump into all four of those, though, I want to make one kind of clarifying statement, and that's that I want to remind us that when we go to the Bible, what we're, what we're really aiming to do, and we have to keep checking our hearts for this, is that we're aiming to meet with God, that we're aiming to experience God when we read His Word. So the goal is not to gain knowledge, the goal is not just to get information, but the goal is to meet with God and experience Him and hear His voice. And uh, I know sometimes, like in, we're kind of the non-denominational, you might call it like a Bible church stream, and sometimes in like the Bible church stream, there can be this really emphasis on just knowing stuff. I, I jokingly say sometimes us Bible churches, we, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible instead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say to us first that when we come to Scripture, what we're first doing is we're coming to the Holy Spirit, and we're asking Him to meet with us and Him to interpret us. So... I'm going to give you these four things, study, memorize, pray, listen, discuss, but, but those mean nothing if the Spirit's not the one that's guiding that. And so at the outset, what we most need is the Spirit of God to illumine His Word and to open our hearts and allow Him to speak to us. And so it's very important that we go to Scripture that way. Let's look uh, first at this whole idea of study. And I really just want to give you guys a couple ideas on what you would call like Bible study methods. So if you don't know, by the way, we just had uh, this morning and the next Sunday morning at 9.15, we're having a Bible study methods class. So the stuff that I'm going to share, share here, uh, Matt Tolander is doing in much greater depth upstairs, and it's not too late to join. Uh, this, this morning, he just did the one on observation. Next week, he's going to do the points on interpretation and application with much greater depth than I'm giving here. So I'd encourage you guys to join us next Sunday morning uh, for his class that he's teaching. So observation, interpretation, and application, like these are really the three kind of biggest overall study methods. If you want to put like a question to all of them, observation basically is the question, what does it say? And so when you read scripture, one of the things that you first want to do is just simply ask, what does it say? Like limit yourself from going on to interpretation or trying to understand what it, what it what it's means for today or what it's telling you to do, but simply observe what you see. And this is real easy just to ask the kind of normal questions that you ask if you're a detective, right? You're the, you're the who, what, when, why, where, how, you know? It's just the basic questions that you're saying, let me look at this text and, and see what it says and who it's talking about and when was it and where were they? And all those questions just help you just kind of put down on paper like some observations. A couple things I like to do too is talk about like what does it say about God and man? Most everything that we would read, there's going to be some sort of understanding about, wow, if this is true, then what does this say about God and what does this say about man? Another thing is just as you do observations, just to say what truths are there and or what lies are being exposed. What things do I see here that are true? 
Another thing I didn't add there, but you could add like, what things is it commanding me to do or to avoid? Just the whole idea of just simply putting down on paper your observations. After observation, you can move to what you call interpretation. And that's when you're really asking the question like, what does this mean? And you start really with the question of what did it originally mean for the people? And so you have to get kind of in the, in the, the, the space of the author, the space of the speaker, if it's actually quotations of somebody. And you have to think, what was the intent that they were meaning for their context in their day? And then the secondary question is, well, what does that mean for us today? Like, how do we interpret that to our day and age? How does this apply to me? Which then leads us to the application. What does it say to do? Or what does it say to believe? Like, how does this apply to where I am today? And what is God calling me to do in response? What is God calling me to believe in response? And real simply, like, that's the best way to study the Bible. And you should go to the class next week to learn much more uh, in detail. We can't do that here on a Sunday morning. But real simply, just observation. What does it say? Interpretation. What does it mean? What does it mean for me today? And application. How can I put this into practice? What is God calling me to do or calling me to believe? If you just simply put that, that kind of uh, lens on as you read the Scripture, you're going to have much greater depth than just reading it and moving on. You'll, you'll be looking in the mirror, looking at your ear hair or something like that. I'm just trying to get a laugh of some sort. It's hard. Um, we were going to have some time to actually practice this, but I think we're out of time, out of time to do that this morning, so I'm going to move on. But I do want to say under this topic of studying the Bible, one of the best things that you can do is you can use the tools that are available to you. So you do this kind of at a first glance by yourself, do the observation, interpretation, application, but then what, what the benefit that we have, especially in our society, in our day and age, like we have all these other resources out there that we can use, right? And so one resource for, uh, for such is like a commentary. Many of you have Bibles that actually have kind of footnotes in them with a little bit of commentary, but you can actually buy like a whole Bible commentary that gives a little bit more in-depth. Or if you're really studying one book, you can buy commentaries on one single book. Uh, you'd be encouraged to know that Jake and I do that whenever, whenever we're teaching through a series. We, we're reading a commentary alongside of it uh, because one of the best things you can do in a commentary is, is you can interpret it for yourself, but then go back to the scholars and the years and years of people who've studied before you to get their take on things. And what it can do, it can actually help correct a lot of times what you're getting out of it. So commentaries are a great tool. Another great tool is like prepared studies. Like you don't have to just kind of open your Bible and start. One of the things that you can do is you can actually buy a Bible study. You can get online and buy one. You could go to Lifeway and buy one. I know my huddle, well, we have a group of uh, four or five guys right now that are reading the book called The Jesus That I Never Knew by Yancey, but we bought the accompanying workbook that has like daily readings that go along with it. And, and the, the great thing about having a tool like that is they actually ask you the observation, interpretation, application questions in the guide. And so maybe one great place to start so that you can learn to practice studying the Bible yourself is to buy one that actually has the questions for you. Uh, you can do that real easily, too. I know um, Beth Moore, for instance, does such incredible studies um, that, that can help you study. Um, another thing to take advantage of is various apps. You heard uh, Blake's story. I talked to her a little bit about that yesterday, and she said the version that she uses is the U version. It's a U version of uh, Bible that you can get the app, and I actually looked at it today, and like you can literally, there's like a, emojis, and you can pick which emoji is the way that you feel, and it will pull up verses on, here's some scriptures that might help you today. You can say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and it will give you reading plans for whatever type of thing, whatever type of situation that you're in. So it's incredible that we have these resources, and we should use them uh, freely. I know my wife has a, a daily reads her, her uh, 365-day daily reading Bible. It's written by a guy named Nicky Gumbel in England. 
And it, it kind of combines three different passages of scriptures, but then he does a great job kind of giving his commentary on those scriptures and helping you understand what they mean for us today. And finally, uh, the last thing you need to take advantage of are, are certain websites. Have you heard of Google? It's this, uh, it's this website where, like, you can actually find out a lot of different things. <laughs> and so I would put a little caution with, with Google. You can, uh, you know, find yourself reading some people that, that maybe wouldn't agree with, with much of the, the Midtown views on, on certain things. But, but if you're careful and you're just searching, you can find all kinds of commentaries and thoughts and blogs and posts. So, so take advantage. The one that I've been actually using a lot lately is uh, a website, um, the, um, ah, why did I forget the name of it? Um, I wrote it down here. Oh, the Bible Project. Anybody ever check out the Bible Project, their website or their YouTube channel? They've got these really cool videos, and now they've got a podcast out. And what they do is they, they will kind of give you like a short summary of every single book of the Bible. And now they're doing this whole series that's just on like metaphors throughout the whole Bible. And so you can get this great kind of whole biblical view just by listening to their podcast or checking out their website. So there's all these resources that are available that help you with this first category of studying the Bible. Second category is Bible memorization. We've got Psalm 119 up here. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Like this is such a valuable thing, guys, if we would take time to actually memorize parts of the Bible. It does so much for us in the context of our regular days where we're facing different things. You could tell, obviously, that Blake had a couple verses that she had memorized because there was a season in her life where she says, these are things I have to hold on to. That's why Jesus was able to answer the temptation of the devil with, with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture because it was memorized, it was on his heart. And I think that memorizing Scripture is one of the most important things that we can do for our spiritual lives. Because you come across a verse that's something that you need in that moment and to commit it to your heart that then you can then recite it throughout the day or the next time you're maybe tempted to do something, the next time there's a lie that comes up in your mind and your heart, you can combat it right away by just quoting a specific scripture. And it's really not that hard to do if, you, if you're not trying to take on huge chunks. Like the whole idea of just like memorizing maybe one verse. Jake gave a challenge last week of us trying to, to, to read the Bible straight for 21 days. I'll, I'll, I'll do another challenge. What if you could memorize just one verse a week for the next 14 days? Just like a sentence. Um, this is something that I find to be really applicable to my life and helpful. Um, I'm going to keep telling you too much about myself, but I'm on, <laughs> I'm on heart uh, uh, blood pressure medicines because it kind of runs in my family, and that's when I do my scripture memory. I put, I put the little thing on, do my test every morning, and that's when I quote a verse because I'm trying to calm my heart down at the same time. <laughs> but it's a great habit. Just to, just to have something that's, that you say, hey, I'm going to commit this to the heart because it helps you in your time of need. But what's also really cool about Scripture memory is as you begin to memorize things, what you'll find is it doesn't just apply to you. You're going to have a chance then to minister to others from the same place as something that God's already given you that you've committed to memory. Remember back to the James verse? The James verse said, why do we need to do this? Because we keep forgetting. We walk away and forget what we look like. We read something, we forget what we heard. This is combating that tendency by simply committing to memorize a verse. Pretty simple, just real practically. Write it down. It helps if you actually write it down so you're not just reading it from your Bible or trying to just go off memory. Like if you have something that you can take with you, put it in a prominent place. Some people put it in their cars, put it on your mirror, put it in your Bible as a separate thing. I keep mine in the back of my journal so when I write in my journal in the morning, I can go to the back and work on the verse that I'm, that I'm considering. And then just practice it and practice it out loud will help you memorize it easier. 
Third way that we can interact with the Bible is by praying the Bible. And I don't think that you'll hear a lot of people maybe mention this as one, but I find it to be particularly important because if one way you want to combat just kind of going to the Bible for knowledge, like I said earlier, like just kind of going to just obtain and get stuff, is as if you actually take what you're reading and then pray it back to God. And that's one of the greatest ways you can kind of interact and reflect with the Bible, that you can chew on the Bible because you're not just taking it in, but you're actually then kind of moving it out and you're praying according to what you've just read. So maybe uh, you learn something about God's character through your scripture reading, and then that with that character, then you're emboldened to pray for other things. Or maybe you read a, a passage of scripture where God did something miraculous, and you're tempted to think of some hurdle in your life, and then you say, God, you did it there. I want to see you do it again. Or maybe you're like touched by the way that Jesus treated the marginalized, and you start to think about the marginalized people in your life, and as you read it, then a way that you chew on it is then by praying for marginalized people in our society, in our lives. Or maybe you're reading the Psalms. You got to love the Psalms because the Psalms are so honest and raw with emotion and you can identify with it instead of just reading it. The way that you can chew on it is you can actually start to express those same feelings back to God from the Psalm that you just read. Uh, Another way, I can't get into it, but instead of just observation, interpretation, application, another great kind of acronym for helping you study the Bible is REAP, where you read then you examine, which would be kind of the observation, interpretation, application. Then A is application, and then P is pray. Like just to follow a simple method that at the end of your time of reading, then take that scripture and to chew on it, start to pray for yourself or pray for others from what you just read. And finally, and I, and I love this one, is to listen and discuss the Bible with others. Like one of the ways that we actually chew on scripture is by being in conversations about it together. Let's read Colossians 3, 16. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Like this is a command that Paul's writing this church in Colossae, and he's giving them this example of how they're supposed to worship together. And the way that they're supposed to worship together is to let the message of Christ dwell among them richly. I jokingly say it's like the Word of God is supposed to be like a third wheel at our party. It's like, like we're getting together and the Word of God's always supposed to be there among us. And this is great because it's not like go listen to your pastor teach stuff. It's no. You teach each other. You have discussions. This is why we, we value this in our midtown communities and our, in our huddles. So we have midtown communities that are kind of our larger community groups that exist. Then we've got huddles from within them that are same gender groups primarily for discipleship, to actually study the scriptures together. And one of the best ways that you study is by talking with each other about it and learning from one another. This is what God wants us to do, and that's why we value those things so highly in our group. And one of the things that's great about discussing and listening is when you discuss and you listen to the Bible together, what happens is you can correct each other where you're wrong. And others are going to have different insight from the way that the Spirit spoke to them that it didn't speak to you, and you're going to understand what you're reading together much more richly because you've got the community of believers. And this is what God intended for it to be. And last, I love this part here. And I've shared this one other time, I think during one of our Christmas series. But I love that it says, here's how you're supposed to do it. Let the word of God dwell richly among you as you teach, admonish one another. So we're teaching, admonishing each other. But how? With wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. How many of you knew that like when we sing on a Sunday morning that you're not just here to, for your own personal experience with God? That's part of it. God wants to meet you when you worship. But one of the things that happens when we worship corporately, what we're doing is we're saying God's word over each other. 
The songs that we, think, that we sing are scriptural, and we need the reminder of those words. And so when you worship, I want you to worship loudly when we worship here in a moment, because you're not just worshiping God yourself, you're speaking these truths over each other. It's a very real way that we're chewing on the Word of God as we're singing these songs, we're, we're reflecting back what is true, and as we sing it, we're reminding each other of everything that's true about God and His love for us. One of the other ways that we can reflect uh, not just on God's Word is through taking communion. So I want to bring us to that time of communion now in our time of worship. Jesus gives us to us as an example, a literal food that we can eat, that we can chew, and we can do this as a remembrance of Him. It's a way that we connect our hearts with Him, and we can actually, as we worship these songs and sing over each other, and as we take communion, we can, in that very moment, be chewing on what's true, that Jesus loves us, that Jesus died for us, that He forgave us for all of our sins. So we invite anyone who's put their faith in Christ to come to the front or the back during this next few songs and take communion at your own time and your own pace. Uh, Let me pray for us, and we'll close. God, we just barely touched on a lot of the ways that we can chew on your word, but I ask God that some of this uh, would, would stick and that you'd at least create like a hunger in us and that together, really as community, we could help each other learn to study your word, uh, to really chew on it and get everything out of it so that we too can be blessed in what we do, so that we too can be prosperous and successful. God, would you need, need your word? Would you give us a hunger for it? And then would you help us as a community to better understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.